You're listening to a podcast by the BCG Henderson Institute, BCG's Think Tank. In this series, hosted by fellow Dave Young, we'll interview business leaders and explore how companies can build competitive advantage by creating a sustainable world. Now on to our episode. Welcome to Building Competitive Advantage in a Sustainable World. In this episode, we'll be discussing the challenge of governing effectively over ESG and the increasing opportunity is for companies to demonstrate both positive shareholder value creation and to have impact on some of the bigger environmental and social challenges that we face. As this is gaining more prominence, becomes increasingly important for the board to be able to exercise the best practice in governance as a partner to the CEO in helping the company navigate through this changing context and through its commitments that are being made ever more prominent, particularly following COP26. BCG has recently collaborated with INSEAD's Center for Corporate Governance and completing a first look at how directors are viewing the challenge of governing for ESG. And roughly 70% of directors report that they're only moderately or not at all effective at integrating ESG into company strategy and governance. And although directors think their board should devote more time to strategic reflection when it comes to ESG issues, more than half say that they are not effective at doing that. And further, boards clearly see addressing climate change is a top priority, but still among the companies with a net zero commitment, only 55% of directors report that their organization has prepared and published a plan for hitting that target. And a full 43% of directors cite the ability of the company to execute as one of the biggest threats to delivering on ESG goals and those public commitments that are being made. So with that as context and background for the discussion, I'm pleased to welcome two colleagues who are senior advisors to BCG, one who is bringing the perspective of the CEO and the other, the perspective of the board to this discussion. So let me ask Ron Sunius and Peter Tolman to introduce themselves to our listeners. Ron? Thanks, Dave, and thanks for having me here. It's a real pleasure to talk about this because it has been part of my life since, well, I would say 2010, when I switched from my 20-year executive career to really focus on, on sustainability. And maybe to give that a little bit of context, I mean, when I started back then in 2010 and engaging with, and when I was engaging with companies, I actually got disappointed quite often because although companies then were doing, focusing on what they would then call sustainability, it was usually just things that they did on the site. Although there were good things that they did, it didn't involve or change or adapt their core products or core processes. And that's actually when I started to talk to company directors and ask why that was. And sort of their first inclination back then was usually to run away as fast as possible. Um, typically because sustainability was simply not on their agenda. And that has really changed over the last years. Sustainability yes. really came from, from the back room into the boardroom. Uh, thank you, Dave. So I, um, the vast bulk of my career has been, and I've had a wonderful time as a senior partner and managing director at BCG. 
working with a range of leaders, but most recently as leader of BCG's CEO advisory program, which is an effort to work alongside CEOs aimed at promoting on a holistic basis the overall success of themselves and of the companies and organizations that they lead. What's been very interesting is the way conversations with these leaders have changed, both group conversations and individual conversations with these leaders have changed, even over the short tenure that I led this initiative. ESG really was, in a way that's similar to the way that you described, Ron, ESG really was not a critical issue for them up front. When you think about what really is important to their success, it, frankly, it was not on the table. A few years later, and you bring us up to today, it is a big topic. And we've made sure that it's based on their input because we design programs together with them. We've made sure that it's a central piece of discussions and programs with CEOs over time. And I do have to say, it's something that CEO candidates, which we work with as well, it's something that CEO candidates need to It's a big project there, and particularly issues around governance and climate. If I'm thinking about what are the initiatives that I see that are receiving the most interest and the most investment at Columbia, those two areas are very big threat. One of the things that's striking me in conversations with boards and CEOs is just the rate at which this is happening. There's been few things in business, I think, that have moved as quickly in the last several decades as this accelerated attention to ESG, and particularly, as you say, Peter, to the climate part of that. With that, there's sort of two things going on here. One is trying to stay on top of the change in context and in expectations as a company. And then the other is trying to understand, with that in mind, what does it mean for the role of the corporation in society, and how is the company going to put those expectations into practice? I think the intersection that we're increasingly seeing here is the way that these two things, whether it's attention to climate or it's some other aspect of sustainability around diversity, equity, inclusion, where those things need to be connected to what drives value creation and long-term success of the company. And so very much, it's not a, a technical pursuit, but it's very much a business pursuit, a strategy pursuit, a value creation pursuit. And I think, Peter, to your point, if I'm an aspiring CEO candidate or I'm a new CEO, I'm thrust into this moment. And if I'm chairing a board that's meant to provide the horizon for the company, it really puts foreign center, as you've said, Ron. So, Ron, in your discussion with board chairs, what are the issues that they have top of mind and the questions that they're grappling with when it comes to governing for ESG? And is there any clarity that you're beginning to see, kind of a consensus among directors about the role they need to be playing or how they should approach the topic? It's changing quite a bit and quite fast in the last couple of years. One of the most striking things that I've seen change is that before most of the sustainability initiatives in companies, if not all, were driven by management and then sanctioned by the board. And in the last couple of years, I've seen that change. I've seen boards being on top of things and asking management to do something, to do more, to do things quicker. When I reflect on the last 10, 12 years that I've been working in this area, 
initially my discussions with boards were around the why. Why is sustainability important? And that discussion is over. I don't have that discussion anymore. Although if you ask individual directors why they think sustainability is important, you get a range of different answers. But today, the discussion is really about the what. What are we going to do? How fast are we going to do it? Where are we going to focus? Um, what is our, going to be our, and should we have, and if so, what should be our climate pledge? And front runners really are starting to see the how as the next challenge. Because those front runners that have set climate goals and that have set goals for, say, I don't know, the number of women that they would have in executive positions, they start to realize that actually implementing it isn't all that simple. And as you mentioned before, Dave, our research with INSEAD, almost half of the board members indicate that they see the ability of the organization to execute as one of the biggest threats to ESG goals. What are you hearing when you're talking to CEOs now? If you sort of think about the content of CEO advisory as a partner in helping them wrestle with all this, where's that going? What I hear is very much a reflection of what Ron speaks about. In the academic literature, the valuation literature, there's the debates about ESG and its role in stakeholder versus shareholder capitalism. When you talk to CEOs, and I would say this is, I don't know if it's universal, but it's pretty close to universal. From their point of view, there's no choice. When they think about their stakeholders, boards, regulators, those that are consumer facing, their customers for sure, they say there's no choice. There's a demand that they do this and they have to do this and they have to have a position. And the position they have is fairly consistent. But again, as Ron says, well, then how do you action it? How do you implement it? And that's really where the work is. Then what should be the focus for the board, Ron? Is this just as a director, am I satisfied to know that the company is doing hygiene well, that the basics are in place? What is it that directors should be looking at in your sequence of going from you know the why, what to the how? We hear directors say that for ESG to become a part of how the company looks to the future, strategic reflection is, is very important actually of directors say that they feel that it's very important to make ESG a success within the company. But only half actually believe that they are effective at doing this. But both control side, the hygiene is important, but the strategic reflection, I think, is much more important to look at where you can in the future or even today, but going into the future, contribute to in a positive way. So I think both are important to get right in a board. If we took climate, Ron, as just an example, what are sort of the minimum viable things that the board should be looking for when it comes to governing for climate and sustainability? I would say along those two lines, as I just mentioned. So both compliance and control in the sense of setting climate goals for the companies and making sure that they get implemented. But at the same time, ensuring that where the world is going and what the role you is that you would like to play in that changing world. And what I find with boards is that they often find it difficult to connect the two. 
I vividly remember, so I'm advising a, a chairman of a sustainability committee of, a, of an international bank. And one day we had a discussion about him wanting the full board to engage more on the topic because he sort of felt that he was doing things on the side and didn't really get through to the full board. We ended up doing a few simulations around the impact of floods and droughts on their mortgage portfolio. So we decided to take one very specific area of E, even one very specific area in climate change, and then run a few simulations on a very specific product. And only then the results were shocking to the board. And only then sort of, you know, they started to see the light and how actually, you know, climate change is equal to business risk and how climate change actually affects their business and their business risk. So I think this more strategic reflection in relation to goals that you have set or need to set is important both for a board to truly start to comprehend I said it before, but how the world is changing and how you can actually start looking at opportunities and new products and new ways of doing business to contribute to, to that changing world in a positive way. And it cannot build on that. Just because our fairly comprehensive research indicates that those companies that focus on ESG perform better from a TSR or shareholder value point of view. Interestingly, the absolute level of ESG based on the data is less of a predictor because that would be built into expectations. But the focus on ESG and the ability to move the metrics is a significant correlate with shareholder value. Now, you know, metrics can be a double-edged sword. You know, metrics are good because you measure things and you're accountable to things, but metrics can also be gamed. So I've been quite sensitive in discussions around that issue and around that topic. And clearly, when it comes to reporting, there's always a level of gaming. But I think the discussions oftentimes go back to the fundamental link between the business value and the brand of the organization and the authenticity and how it's representing itself to its stakeholders and what issues are on their minds and how to respond to those. And that, to me, that's the most healthy path forward for leaders of these organizations. You know, in many ways, this gets back to the quality of the company's strategic thinking, its market understanding, its insight on context, Ron, as you mentioned, in terms of do we really understand how this is going to play forward? I think those things are all the hallmarks that we've always seen in great companies and their ability to kind of read the future and be honest about their ability to get at it. And Peter, your point, the metrics and the reporting kind of come with the territory, but are you really getting underneath of all of that? For those links with businesses. What do you see perhaps as the CEO's responsibility in enabling the board to be effective when there's this many sort of changes going on in context? What would be within the CEO advisory discussion? There is so much disruption in business today. And you know, there's you know something like 15 to 20% of companies are in the process of. CEO change. If you take a longer time window, it's even more than that. It's, you know, it's 30 to 50% of them in the process of CEO change. More often than not, there's a recognition that the CEO of the future needs to embody a different set of characteristics and leadership traits than the CEO that's led them to where they are, notwithstanding current success. There's some obvious aspects to it, like, you know, digital mindset, a different way of 
interacting with their customers. But there's a big piece of it around the breadth of stakeholders that they need to engage with as a step change. The extent to which the impact of the company on the world, externalities caused by the company, the extent to which the company is going to be held responsible to those is also unprecedented. And leaders need to, it's irresponsible for leaders not to recognize that, I would argue, today. And that's the thing that ought to be driving their actions as much or more than anything. And Ron, with what Peter said, I mean, that should suggest something different about the board agenda right now. So what are you advising boards to do in setting their board agenda and the kind of practices they should be using to govern climate and sustainability? Maybe I can first pick up on the on the point that Peter was making on how the role of the CEO is changing, because I actually see something similar happening in the board and how looking at board and board members and qualifications is currently a little bit of a struggle in the sense that people who know about sustainability uh, tend not to have the right experience to join boards. And those that do, I mean, so the board-ready people, if you will, they typically lack experience in ESG. So there is a little bit of a struggle there to get the new voices or the new thinking into boards. And there are various ways you can solve that by, for instance, getting independent advisory panels or boards to get that new thinking in. So I just wanted to reflect on that a little bit. It happens at the same time as these boards, when they are looking at new CEOs, they need to take these things into account as well. So it's sort of a... They need to look at the board and the board composition at the same time as they are looking to new CEOs and what, you know, how a new CEO in this era needs to, you know, what, what sort of qualifications he or she brings. Can I ask, Ron, two questions? What is motivating boards to focus on this issue and put pressure on this issue on the company right now? What, what's behind it, number one? And then number two is... How do you think the composition of boards needs to change? So the first thing, what's driving them predominantly is the success of the company in the long term. Boards typically and board members typically are smart people who want the best for the company. I think one of the issues that I discussed before is that for quite some time, they have failed to see how ESG is impacting the future ability of companies to keep on creating value. Increasingly, companies are seeing that, A, because and boards are seeing that, because A, it has a direct effect on the company. Take the example of floods and droughts that I mentioned earlier. Or if they don't see it, or in addition of seeing it themselves, they are pushed. They are pushed by investors because the investors see it and start to increasingly see that, for instance, climate risk is equal to investment risk. Or there are NGOs that start either suing them, like we have seen with Shell, and that same organization is now addressing 29 other companies with a potential lawsuit, or it is either through NGOs or through investors that are starting to intervene at, for instance, the annual shareholder meeting, pushing votes into a certain direction, putting shareholder proposals to, uh, to a vote. There is a range of reasons why boards are starting to act on this. 
some of which real, some, I mean, because they see it themselves and some of them being pushed from external sources. So the, the composition of the board is quite often a discussion. So there is this sort of visual circle where that I mentioned before, where people that are typically seen or traditionally seen as board ready do not necessarily have the right amount of ESG skills. And those that have the right amount of ESG skills are not seen, or at least traditionally not, not seen as board material. So th I think that's one. Uh, the other discussion that is going on is then, okay, if, if we decide to get ESG knowledge or more ESG knowledge into the board, how does that look like? Does that mean that we get a climate activist on the board? Or does that mean that... And I think what my usual response is when I'm asked is that, you know, I don't think you need a specialist in any of the E, S or G topics. I mean, that's not going to help you. That knowledge is available to you from external sources and advisors, etc. What I think boards are looking for is what I would call an ESG mindset. People that have a better understanding or a better grasp of how these externalities are actually changing, how society is looking at the role of boards, how climate is impacting the ability to, to create value in the long term. The one thing I worry about for both CEO and board is there has rarely been in business history a confluence of so many sectors seeking the same type of change quickly in response to sort of shared commitments, whether that's around climate or DNI or social issues, as we have right now. So no matter where I am in a value chain, no matter if I am at the very beginning as a materials company or the very end as a consumer-facing company, I am under a changing context to such a degree that those who are potentially first movers have a chance to reset the competitive order within the industries that they're part of. And so I could argue that there's an urgency here to figure out what your timing is going to be and the degree to which you can use this moment to change the competitive dynamic for the next few years. And as these targets are being made, let's be honest, many of these targets are well beyond the tenure of the current CEO. So now that is a board, I have this responsibility to understand just the magnitude and the rate of change underway and to assure that the company is doing everything it can to position itself ahead of others to take advantage of those trends. I just don't think we've seen something like that as broad, as deep, across all geographies happening together. And so I worry that whether board or CEO, I may not be moving fast enough in terms of wrestling with the issue on a strategic end. I may be fine in terms of getting the reports out and looking at the data, but when it comes to that question, I'm worried about that. I don't know, am I wrong to worry about that from your perspective? Do you think we're moving quickly enough as boards and CEOs to wrestle with this? We've spoken about all the progress that's been made and appropriately so. In many instances, there's also, you, you raise a big gap. Now, and the big gap being, in many instances, the link between ESG, sustainability, climate, and strategy, and the core strategy and competitive advantage is weak, sometimes non-existent. 
division that says this can be a source of competitive advantage for us and therefore there's value in this, I would say there's still a lot of running room there. The strong recognition is around, this is something we have to act on. Our stakeholders are demanding it. It's important if we're going to be true to our values. It's coming from our customers, it's coming from our investors, etc. But then the extra bit of thinking about how do we use this to build competitive advantage for ourselves? It exists in certain instances, of course, and in certain industries it's there. But I'd say it's much more rare than ideally it would be. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and I'd like to add another complexity, and it is that not all these stakeholders are demanding the same thing. Some of these stakeholders are demanding things that are completely opposite. And still you have to navigate. So, you know, it is difficult. It is complex. The need for strategic reflection, both from the board, the executive, but also the non-executive, the full board and management is key in this. Things like scenario planning are really great tools to really help understand how the world is changing and where the opportunities are for you as an organization to contribute to that changing world. And typically, scenario analysis go over a much longer period than the average tenure of a CEO. So these type of exercises help boards to understand and you know get grip on a much longer perspective. And within that, understand what the sort of intermediate steps are necessary to do to get to this longer term vision. But it's complex. And I think the worst that can happen and that I unfortunately see happening fairly often with boards is that they get paralyzed. They get paralyzed by the combination of the speed of change and the complexity of change. It's hard enough to master the speed of change or the complex or complex challenges individually. But nowadays, these two are really coming together. And speed requires really intuition and creativity from directors, where complexity is more around logic and discipline. And if you put these two together in the real world of boards that I see, it should lead to strategic agility. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't really happen. And then very often the opposite happens. Boards get paralyzed and don't take decisions. And I think that's the biggest risk that you run as a company, that you sit and wait and sort of, you know, see where things are going and, and actually not acting. Any advice to the CEO about how to sort of bracket what has been maybe a lot of attention to the shorter term, a lot of attention to what can be accomplished by the CEO quickly, uh, you know, to sort of prove themselves uh, to the market and everything else. And what Ron's outlined here, which is a longer agenda, which carries risk. And what would you, for sitting with the CEO, what would you say? I think the best sanitizer is long-term, you know, long-term thinking and going beyond the metrics, because if it's only that, the metrics are important, but if it's only the metrics, then there's going to be an issue. Ultimately, you know, you are a representative of your employees and your board, and you need to make sure that you're speaking on behalf of them and not in contradiction or out in front of them. And that's happened in a few occasions, but it's, it's very important that they be brought along. We've all seen what happens when the board chair, a board committee raises a question to management. We've seen how that cascades and what that can mean. 
Ron, you know, if you were going to give a sitting director advice now on what would be the three questions that you would be posing as a director that you think would most accelerate progress by the board and management? Being in a board, I would ask myself, the board, if the current governance structure and how ESG is integrated in that governance structure is fit for purpose. Is it still effective? And is it making an explicit part of the agenda? The second thing I would ask myself is, do we spend enough time as the full board for strategic reflection? I think that's really important to understand where the world is going and where the organization could go. And the third thing I would ask myself is, do we have enough different voices in the board? Do we really understand what is expected from us as a board and what is expected from us as a company? And are we capable enough to independently challenge management on these topics? And Peter, as the CEO, what do you believe the three most helpful questions would be if posed by the board? I think from the CEO point of view, though, I think the biggest question is, how does this impact your strategy? I don't know, maybe it's two questions. How does this impact your strategy and how is it reflected in your strategy? The drag, the competitive disadvantage can be addressed, but the competitive advantage cannot be addressed unless you have a clear view on that issue. And then how does this play out in the long term and how are you setting up your successor for success? This podcast was part of our series on building competitive advantage in a sustainable world. For more information about this and other research topics, follow the BCG Henderson Institute's research online at bcghendersoninstitute.com and follow our podcast series on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.